And now another episode of Mind Escape with Michael and Maurice. Take it away, Michael. All right, folks, welcome back to Mike Maurice's Mind Escape. We have episode number 105 today. Uh, we're going to be discussing metaphysics and metaphysical theories. Um, you can check us out at uh, Patreon at patreon.com slash Mike and Maurice. For $2 a month, you'll get exclusive interviews and content. Uh, check us out on our website at MikeAndMauriceMindEscape.com. I just uh, updated some stuff on there. Uh, also, we're on all social media platforms, pretty active on Twitter. Check us out on there. Um, and, uh, yeah. And, oh, also check us out if you're listening to this as an audio podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, whatever you're listening to, uh, subscribe, subscribe to us on there. And, um, yeah, if you have any topic ideas or guest, uh, suggestions, shoot us an email. Um, what's going on, man? How are you? Good, good. What's the good word? Uh, the good word is we are going to be discussing, uh, some metaphysics here. Nice. I see Brian Scott has joined us in the, the chat. How you doing, Brian? What's going on? Okay. So let's start it up here. Um, some people think, uh, metaphysics or metaphysical theories is specifically something, absurd to think about but it actually covers a, a long uh broad what were you gonna say i was gonna say array of topics uh yeah uh so i mean metaphysics what it is is a branch of philosophy that studies ontology teleology cosmology consciousness causality um and things that cannot be easily quantified or observed you know by our senses uh, or right. science um, so people that don't know what ontology is, it's the study or the, um, the theory of being, uh, teleology is the, um, the study of purpose. Is there a purpose? What's purpose? That kind of a thing. Uh, obviously cosmology has to do with study of the universe and its origins and that kind of stuff. Um, consciousness, I think we all understand what that is. Right. Causality. And yeah, I mean, that's pretty much, uh, pretty much the gist of that. Sounds good. Yeah. A lot of stuff that, uh, I could see how the cosmology is the cosmology. Some of, is that like the signs and stuff? Is that included with that no, or that you're thinking of, uh, astro- Oh, that's astrology. astrology. Yeah, yeah. Cause a lot of people get with it, that. All it. right. All right. I'm asking questions. No, cosmology not... is like a science based. Um, right. Right. Like, okay. You know, we've had uh, Brian Keating on. He's a cosmologist. We've had Jude Curvin uh, on. She's a cosmologist. Um, so some of the metaphysical philosophies, there's a ton of them. These are just some of them. Idealism, monism. I'm not going to explain each one, but, you know, like monism we described in our uh, ancient Greek uh, pre-Socratic episode where we talked about all the pre-Socratic philosophers and monism is the theory that one thing is the source or origin or makes up everything. So like Thales, right. who was the first philosopher, thought that um, water made up everything, which we know is incorrect. But back then when you didn't have uh, the science, and the technology that we have, that's not that bad of a guess. Um, nihilism is the belief that there is no purpose or um, meaning a- to, to anything. Yeah, it's a very sad approach, in my opinion. Uh, I mean, yeah, there's some people that try and say it doesn't matter and they can still be a good person without that, but, I mean, who knows. Um, That's an interesting one. Materialism, self-explanatory, even though that's the one that science uses today, or material monism, which would be that material or physical matter makes up everything and that's all there is. That's what that belief is. So you could put it in metaphysics because... It technically isn't 100% proven, so we don't know what consciousness is 100% yet. Um, we don't know everything, obviously. Uh, we keep talking about that on the podcast. But you could put it in the category in the sense that what if consciousness is separate or what if consciousness is fundament- fundamental? What if one of those things is true? Then then you have the uh, that come up as being you know, a little bit more shaky of a, a probability of what what's true, what's not true. 
Um, right. We know the brain is made up of cells and other fluids and things, but we don't really know why we are conscious. Uh, yeah. Scientific realism, again, pretty self-explanatory. Existentialism, I'm sure a lot of people know what that is. Determinism, indeterminism, you know, those are the theories that... So determinism would be that... Uh, the belief that everything you've done in your entire life, all your ancestors, all evolution, everything is geared up to this one point where it's going to decide what you're going to do um, in the next second based on everything that's happened previously in your your physiology, your psychology, all that kind of stuff. And there's no way to actually 100% understand that and quantify that, but that's what a lot of scientists believe. Um theism uh, belief in a god or gods um so that would be the belief in some sort of higher um or creator higher power or creator phenomenalism and uh solipsism um or solipsis uh, is it solipsism solipsism so, i don't know you're asking the wrong guy over yeah, here i am asking the wrong guy uh, it's <laughs> it's solipsism that's what it is um so Solipsism is the belief that you can only justify or you can only assert that what you know in your own consciousness is the only thing there is. So it's, it's almost the belief that um, I'm talking to you, I'm acknowledging that we're having a conversation, but I can only verify that I'm the only thing for real that exists based on what I know, if that makes okay. sense. It does, yeah. So I think we were talking about this on our camping trip a few years ago with Connor. I think he brought this up, which was you don't you you can't verify that anything outside of your own consciousness to yourself actually exists. So that's what that would be. Um, so yeah, and there's a ton of these. I just picked a handful of few to go over some, and you can look them up too. Um, there's again, a lot of these can considered be academic theories or academic. Um, uh, terminology and stuff because like I, I mentioned when we first started this pilot, like some people think of metaphysics and metaphysical as strictly uh, woo woo and right. things you can't verify which is kind of the basis of it meaning that um, if you told somebody from year 500 AD that one day there was going to be we created machines that can work on their own and think on their own and um create other machines and stuff like that, they would think, oh, that's crazy. So that would be a metaphysical idea to that or person. Or even information traveling through the air via satellites that, and things like that. That too. So if any of those things would have been considered metaphysical back then, um, so now they're not. They're what we would consider in the, the scope or purview of knowledge or something that we've created. So, mm -hmm. um, So let's go on to the next one. Uh, so the word metaphysical comes from the Greek term metaphysica, um, means or loosely translates to after the things of nature. Um, and things cannot be currently quantified or, or things that cannot be quantified by material science. So again, it's, um, something that could become true, um, but it currently cannot be proven by the technology and the science and observation and that kind of stuff. So, um, again, some of the people out there that are in theoretical physics or, um, metaphysics, um, those different, uh, uh, categories, maybe some ideas or theories they have could be proven true, um, in the future, even though it cannot be proven right now. So, um, the academic side of it would be taking what we know and then building off that and kind of speculating like almost like an educated guess, if, if you will, something along those lines. Um, and again, it's something that could be proven, but then you can get to the more mystical, the more, and we'll get into all that, but, um, that's kind of what's going on there. Beautiful. Okay. So Aristotle, Check out, if you haven't, check out our ancient Greek episode uh, on Aristotle, Socrates, and Plato. We've got a lot of good information in there. Uh, but Aristotle called uh, metaphysics first philosophy, and he also separated um, the metaphysics into three categories. One would be ontology, again, the study of being. 
Uh, two, nat- natural theology that would be like pondering God and creation and um, source of the natural world. And then universal science is obviously um, observational kind of things, more material side of things and logic and reason and that kind of stuff. Um, let's see here. Yeah, I definitely think it's uh, you got to embrace all three of those things, right? in my opinion. So and then you've got Plato, um, who was Aristotle's teacher, and he created the academy where Aristotle was the top student there. Um, Platonic idealism would relate to his theory of forms, which in itself is a metaphysical theory because his theory of forms is that we are a uh, replication or um, we get our essence of this one true realm or this one... um, realm where everything gets its form from uh so again that's a metaphysical idea because the place this so-called um true uh realm or whatever would be a metaphysical realm because it can't be proven so that's Mm -hmm. what's going on there um there's platonic realism and then you've got allegory of the cave which would be we've talked about this before i I put it in there because i like it and it's kind of one of the best to paradigm shifts and stuff that we think we know. And then all of a sudden your whole world's turned uh, upside down on itself. Um, so I guess what, what it comes down to with the allegory of the cave is again, you can listen to our episode on Socrates, Plato and Aristotle, but uh, just a brief synopsis. These guys are chained in a cave their whole life, staring at a cave wall uh, the fire to their back is projecting their shadows on the cave wall. That's all they've ever seen and known their entire lives. One day, one of the guys gets out, um, and I've read different things. He hides in the shadows in the corner because he doesn't want to go out to the light because he sees what the light is. He eventually gets dragged out into the light um, and then realizes there's this whole other world out there, um, which, again, is a massive paradigm shift if that's what you've ever been exposed to your whole life. And then he comes back to the cave, tries to explain it to the other guys. They don't, they're not getting what he's saying and they reject his ideas and think he's lying or whatever the case may be. So, um, again, yeah, it'd kind of be like the, if, if aliens came down, if aliens came down or if some God did appear made his or, presence or right. something, you know, whatever the case may be, some crazy thing like that would be, you know, maybe not as crazy as that, but pretty crazy. Yeah, it's it's like we only know until we don't know. So there's cosmology and theoretical physics. Again, cosmology is the study of you know the universe, origins, um, all the stuff. And you know we've had Brian Keating on, uh, Brian Keating on, who is a professor at uh, uh, University of California, San Diego, and he created an experiment, this bicep telescope that was looking for um, the earliest signs of the Big Bang or remnants of the Big Bang, which would be these gravitational waves and that kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's a lot of um, experimental type thinking. And we've had also had Jude Curavan on who wrote the book, um, uh, The Holographic Universe. Is, is that what it is? I gotta look it up, but um, oh, the cosmic hologram. That's what, I'm sorry, the cosmic hologram, and uh, this idea that um, the universe is just made up of data, information, stuff like that. Um, theoretical physics, you know, there's different theories on not just the Big Bang, but then you get into um, the multiverse, which is pretty popular right now. Some people would even say that's maybe mainstream, but um, you know, guys like uh, Sean Carroll and stuff love that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, those are that would be the essence of studying metaphysics in in that kind of a context. Is to, obviously there's a lot of stuff in space in the universe that we can't easily quantify or understand. Stuff like dark matter and dark energy and um, actually, yeah, just, we've been spending a hell of a time trying to figure it out. Right. Actually, just read an interesting article that somebody's theory is that dark matter uh is just um the information so information isn't doesn't just appear whatever like that there's there's some physical manifestation which would be the dark 
energy if that makes sense yeah it's so it's got to go somewhere right like everybody wonders like where's the information in the cloud i'm not really that tech savvy maybe there's a better explanation for it but that's what um uh that's what the the theory was stating that all that dark matter is just the information being held there yeah it's weird because some of those theories collide too or like the uh simulation theory i could see how they could share some similar traits right and uh so and then we move on to consciousness and uh, mind and matter uh they're huge components of um metaphysics and metaphysical thinking um so material monism which we discussed a little bit earlier that would be the idea that the brain matter is what makes up consciousness so it's a byproduct consciousness is a byproduct of materialism so when people um, don't believe in anything other than uh, matter and material they think this is all there is that would be material monism a lot of scientists think uh, along those lines um and it brings up bigger questions because then we could talk about determinism indeterminism and then you talk about things um what is consciousness and you can go back to even the pre-socratics uh like parmenides who believe that our senses there's more than what's going on that we can pick up with our senses. Everything's in a constant change and uh, a state of constant change and flux. And we are all just this one thing. Um, so well, wasn't uh, there a study done where they could tell that if you were smiling or not from behind and it was, it was, uh, it was more than 50% of the people could. No, no, no. That's, can you tell if somebody's staring at you from behind? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think it was, I don't know who did it. It was Rupert Sheldrick. I don't know. I've heard Rupert Sheldrick talk about it, but it's this, it was a study that um, if you are looking forward or something, you know, you get that feeling like is somebody's staring at me or whatever. Right. Um, so they did that and then they came up with, um, I think it was like 54% of the people could tell, which sounds like a little bit, but that's 4%. I mean, that's a, that's a good chunk. That's an indication that. Uh, There's something there. Yeah. And, and I mean, for but everybody has these gut feelings, and some of some of us accept them more than others. But I don't know that I definitely think that there's more out there than what meets the eye. Well, the gut feeling is an interesting one too, right? Because a lot, I think most of our serotonin is contained in our gut. So that's, you know, when you do like psychedelics or something like that. Um, well, that's what they say. You when you think and to, to do something like a a function. That's your brain, but more of the stuff that's feeling and and your your feelings and emotions. That's more connected to your gut. Right. Well, I mean, they. I think obviously the term gut feelings there for a reason. And to right. be honest with you, I mean, if you fo- I followed my gut a few times in crazy situations where it's kind of led me in the right path. So. Yeah, I kind of I boil it back to uh, playing poker. And I always have these gut feelings and then I sit there and talk myself out of them sometimes. And they usually be the gut feeling was usually the right move. So whenever I play, I try and tell myself, just go with my, the instincts. Usually what comes right to you is the, is always the better choice, but. Right. Um, and then, you know, you can talk about a lot of the philosophers that talked about this kind of like Descartes. Um, I think therefore I am and all that stuff. But then, and he also, breaks down into is our you know consciousness connected to our um our uh, our bodies you know is it one thing or is it you know is there dualism there um and he would do these thought experiments um having to do with ways to you know separate the body from the mind and he's able to do in some senses modern day uh, philosophers would probably err on the side of um, that you know everything's one so let's see here I, I, the, the consciousness one actually is um, one of the most important ones in the sense that we don't really know what's going on fully yet with consciousness there's ideas some people would say that consciousness is fundament- fundamental or consciousness um, emerges from biology or consciousness 
you know, there's biocentrism, there's all sorts of different theories. Um, and then you get to the more academic stuff again, it's like material monism, uh, materialism, uh, determinism, those kinds of things. So, uh, yeah. I would just say that since we don't know really what's going on fully that, um, to just speculate. That's what drives me wild with all these people. And embrace some of the more outlandish theories. Well, but that, that's what drives me wild too sometimes is just this idea that we've got it all figured out. For some reason that just pisses me off because from studying this, reading all the books, reading scientific research, reading all this stuff, I'm not a scientist. I'm not some crazy, you know, intelligent person. However, I do a lot of reading and a lot of research and I can definitely say that there's so many different competing theories out there who's right, who's wrong. It's really hard to tell. And even right and wrong is, you know, kind of subjective because we don't even know for again, for sure what consciousness is and what exactly is going on. So, but that's the thing. You don't have to be the brightest mind to read some of the brightest minds. And then you can use your own judgment to see which, which ones seem more valid. Right. Okay, so now we'll get to theism, theology, and creationism. So, again, theism is the um, belief in God or gods. Um, theology is the study of religions, that kind of thing. And creationism is the belief that there is some sort of creative force or creative being. Um, but don't you have to believe in creation, creatism? Because... Like we were talking about in the other podcast, their life started somehow, whether it be different Which materials the, coming the together. Panspermia and abiogenesis episode. Exactly. Um, I but creationism is uh, that a being? I'm pre- I, you can an look, intelligent mind of some look sort. it up. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Um, because we're here, so we had to been created somehow. Right. Well, evolved. You're not really being created. You're 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 coming to being through a process of reactions and, um, you know, it starts as a single cell organism works its way up. And then all of a sudden you're, a um, a prime poo. Yeah. And then all of a sudden here we are. So, uh, but, uh, so I don't know these, this one's interesting because I would assume that there's a lot of people that, um, don't believe in God or don't know. Um, and then you've got your super religious people that a hundred percent believe in God, even believe the Bible word for word. And then there's a whole spectrum of people, um, kind of in between, uh, as far as what I think's going on with all this stuff, I would say that we've talked about this many times. There's no real way to know. Um, you can say there's no God or whatever, but you don't know for sure. You can't prove just like, I can't prove that there is a hundred percent. So, uh, it definitely, you look online, you look on forums and stuff and like philosophy forums and, uh, debate discussion forums and stuff like that. And it's just people just going around in circles. And of course you can do more research and, um, get better at debating and, philosophizing and different things and then come at people and win the debate or the argument. But are you just doing it to win the debate or the argument or are you really after truth? And if you're really after truth, then what are you doing debating over something that you feel is wrong? You know what I'm saying? Well, well, ask Brian Cox. I don't have the answer. Yeah. Well, he's contradicted himself quite a bit too. Uh, well, the further the you go down the hole, you're well, going to have to contradict yourself. But the physicist, Brian Cox, you'll see vis- videos on YouTube where he's he's on Conan saying, oh, there's no God, there's nothing, this, this is all there is. We have a pretty good idea of everything right now. And then I've seen other ones yeah. where he's like, well, there could be, you know, aliens out there somewhere. But so it's like he goes back and forth. I don't, And that's fine, too. You're, I love people that change their minds, but when you're so... Like militant. You should be evolving so, and changing but, your thoughts. But when thoughts. you're so like uh, dogmatic and militant and you're thinking a certain way, um, to change your mind like that or to just say something that contradicts your earlier statement, I mean, I would be careful of that. I'm care- I am careful of that on this podcast. While a lot of my views and beliefs and things that I've researched have changed, um, it's still one of those things where I definitely have grown um, and learned a lot since we've been doing this podcast just from doing all that. So yeah, I, but we don't have, we're not selling anything. So if you wrote a book stating these claims, then you're going to want to be out there 
supporting those to the fullest. You're not going to be wish-washy with them. We have no we have no ulterior motive than to learn the truths. So there's nothing there's no reason for us to go back and forth. We just take in what we've that's being presented to us and make the best judgments from that, you know. But that right. guy like I, I doesn't Brian Cox write books and stuff? Oh, he yeah, he does these like live shows like he, well he used to be in like some rock band. I looked up a picture. Hey, some, some pretty cheesy the stuff. Cosmonauts. Um, but maybe he, he was in Metaphysical Jones. But he uh yeah, he he definitely does these like live tour things like it's almost like a um you know, like you go to a planetarium type of thing, except it's like in, in an audience kind of, uh, uh-huh. I don't know. It's just, it's like a touring show kind of a thing. Right. So he, he's not going to say, well, my theory here could be, could be true. It could not be. He's just going to be behind the thing a hundred percent, which I, I guess I understand that in this, the terms of a business business model. Right. Um, so, and, uh, but yeah, so, is there a god? Is there gods? Well, I don't. I don't know. I don't think anybody knows. We can guess. Uh, that's what I've been doing lately: is just taking everything I can. Um, some stuff stupid, some stuff super interesting and intelligent. Just take it all in, and then assign probability to things or make connections where you see fit. That kind of stuff. Um, I don't spend a lot of time. Um, I don't know. I don't spend a lot of time on stuff that I don't consider to be true to me. But again, that's why all these things are interesting because what's interesting to me may not be interesting to somebody else. Things that I believe to be true, um, where I've studied and researched a lot of this stuff, somebody who hasn't studied a lot of this stuff might completely believe in a God but hasn't done no research, which we would call that faith. And why would somebody have faith? Maybe it's easier. we could talk about, you know, lots of different reasons, but, or maybe they've had crazy experiences. Um, and, uh, but yeah, so these are just, again, some of the stuff that's studied under the branch of metaphysics and, uh, God. So is there a creator? Is there, um, this, some sort of being or energy out there that's the source of all, um, is the universe God? Is there, you know what I'm saying? There's so many different ways you could go with this. I, the one I would rule out is like a Zeus looking dude sitting on a um, throne on a cloud. (laughs) That's just me. I know probably some people believe that, or that's the archetype that they get in their head when they think about a God. But when I think of God, I think of some sort of like energy or primordial source, or um, let's say we're in a simulation. It could be the creator of the simulation, or let's say, um, there's infinite amounts of these universes. Well, maybe it's, you know, the giant's marble scenario if you're into mm-hmm. like the multiverse and that kind of stuff. Uh, but so, but again, I think God's a lot like consciousness in the sense that there's no real definition. There's nothing like you can really pin down and say, this is what it is, or this is what, you know, even consciousness. Yeah. Well, some people admit it's like alertness, awareness, the ability to um, ponder the self, ponder the universe, your relation to the universe, stuff like that. Um, I don't know. I think that uh, it's fine to believe in a higher power. I think it's good to believe in a higher power, actually, in some regards. I think. Yeah, that, it can take the burden off your shoulders at points. Um. Yeah. I mean, you're like. Well, that's what a lot of people say. Sky Daddy. Like you know, you're you're you've got this like crutch or this thing you can divvy off um uh shift the worry yeah shift the worry to or whatever the case may be that might not be a bad thing and maybe some people need that um also why has this been pondered for a long time you know what i'm saying like what Mm -hmm. was the catalyst for this was it use of psychedelic psychoactive compounds was it having real mystical experiences that can't be explained was that all of these different things is you know our, our universe or what we know about the earth it's super mysterious is where most people walk through their day-to-day consciousness and don't experience anything that crazy there are people that have these crazy experiences near-death experiences crazy psychedelic experiences crazy out-of-body out-of-body experiences synchronicity 
type uh, things that happen that um, put them in that mindset or whatever the case may be. Um, so, I mean, what do you think about that? I think us just being alive, flying around in space is a pretty miraculous thing. Right. And I think more people should should think about it, but they're all in their malls buying buying stuff and watching <laughs> TV. and That's just the way it goes. <laughs> I don't know. Um, eating their bonbons and uh, <laughs> painting their toenails. No, I think you know. that. Uh, but it's easy to get into that sometimes because some after a couple of episodes, I've I've just been thinking so hard where sometimes you just wish that you didn't crack that 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 can open. You ever had that feeling? The ignorance is bliss motto. Of course, I think about it all the time. Um, but. You know, Socrates once said the unexamined life is not worth living. And I kind of really hold true to that in the sense that my life's, I think I'm a better person. Actually, I know I'm a better person from having researched all this stuff, studied all this stuff. Not only have I learned a ton of things, but I've understood how people think, how people work. I feel like I'm kinder to people. I give more people the benefit of the doubt. I'm more patient. Um, those kinds of things. So I think that this idea that um, uh, studying esoteric things or metaphysical things is a bad or stupid thing, I don't think that's the case because I think it can lead you down a path of knowledge and truth if that's what you're after. And as long as you're uh, got a level head about it and um, really putting in some time, I, I think you can get a lot out of it. Well, even the materialist the scientists should should be looking at the stuff and proving it because they their claims that would make their claims all the better, wouldn't it? If they could actually prove that the mind is only conscious because of the you know the electricity firing in your brain, or if well, dreams were only conjured you, up from from yeah, within, things um, like that. I mean, again, these are things that sh- they people study this stuff, so people. There's academics that believe in God and study theology and different things, and then there's academics that want to disprove God and prove that there's only this material world. So they're on all spectrums. I think that obviously a majority of the public gives the credibility to the material monists only because we. it's hard to think outside. It's hard to think in metaphysical terms. It's hard to think um, about all this kind of stuff. So the harder you think about this stuff, the more time it takes. People don't have the time. They don't want to spend their time on that. They have better things to do or whatever the case may be. Um, so that's what it pretty much comes down to. Mm-hmm. Uh, life after death and survival of consciousness and NDEs. So, you know, part of, uh, metaphysics would be like looking at what's a soul or what's spirit or, um, can these things be quantified and if not why and stuff like that Do, does our consciousness survive death or is any part of us our essence something does that survive death uh, I think that's one of the top questions people have on their minds since we're all going to die um, what it comes down to for me is what's the point and do we assign, so like teleology again is the study of purpose. Have we assigned purpose to our own lives? Is there even a thing called purpose? Um, I mean, yeah. that's definitely something to think about because purpose um, is, is a funny thing. I think when you tie it to evolution, it seems like there's something there because what's the purpose of trying to survive if it doesn't mean anything? That's what, yeah, that's interesting. That's where, that's where I would go with it. What is this mechanism? Why is it evolving to survive if it means nothing or it's not going anywhere? Whereas like a Richard Dawkins or one of these material monists would say, um, there is no purpose. This is just a cosmic accident. This is where it's going. It has no end. It has no, um, real meaning. Uh, that kind of a thing, um, where I, again, would go the opposite way and say, well, this evolution theory or this this mechanism in which things transform and uh, move, you know, transform into different uh, species and 
genetic mutations and different things. There's got to be some sort of purpose for that. And if, if there's not, what does that mean? Um, so, uh, people that have near death experiences, we've had Dr. Eben Alexander on, we've had te- uh, Dr. Uh, Penny Sartori. We even had our buddy Ryan Hay on who didn't have a traditional near death experience, but he still came pretty close after his car accident. Um, and from talking to them and just studying a lot of near death experiences and listening to people that I would, I believe are credible. My mom, there's something there. Yeah. Well, my mom's had her own near death experience and she's really not that type of person either. Um, and she was dead and saw her deceased father and family members and stuff like that. So these things do occur. Um, what is, what does it mean? I don't know. Um, material again material monists would argue or materialists would argue that it's your body shutting down so there's probably some sort of endogenous release whether it's dmt or other endogenous chemicals um, flowing through your body um, sort of like some sort of death hormone or death uh, process that's what they would say when that comes to that Um, but other people that have those experiences there's certain things that they mention that correlate to other things so like in the near-death experience people say that it's more real than real and they don't want to come back and they wish that they were still in that place people that yeah when they get back it's almost like a massive pain and burden right so people that do um, or people that uh, do like psychedelics heavy doses or let's say DMT or whatever also say the experience is more real than real and they enjoyed it and it's this comforting awesome place other people have differing opinions on that as well there's bad trips and different things but i thought that that's interesting that both the near-death experience and the dmt realm psychedelic realm um experiencers say that it's more real than real and from having done psychedelics i can honestly say that i've had a couple of those experiences myself and they definitely do have some sort of um it's almost like uh let's say your mind or your brain is a receiver for information it's taking in vibrations it's taking in frequencies that's what's going on when you do psychedelics it's almost like it disables this like one where you're getting this one signal this whole time. Now you're getting a bunch of signals or you can choose signals if that makes sense. Um, yeah. That's, yeah. I've always been under the idea that maybe when, with the, with the release of DMT, when you're nearing your death, it might be a bridge into the next realm, if you will. Well, and that could be a, some sort of chemical gateway. I know last year there was a, um, study that came out at u of m where they put these is either mice or rats they put them into cardiac arrest and they had huge dmt releases um from going into cardiac arrest so maybe there's something to that there is a large portion of people that have near-death experiences that also um are cardiac arrests meaning that that white light and all that is somewhat correlated to near death i don't know what the percentage is but i think a lot of them are that um mm-hmm. yeah i would love to have that uh penny back she's yeah she's we'll, pretty insightful we'll reach out to dr penny and try and get her i also i'm very intrigued i think we should be getting started on our little documentary here i think that would be a good topic to tackle yeah for sure um so let's go to the next one here Simulation theory, so you have people like Nick Bostrom, um, you know, and and a lot of other theoretical physicist types that are pondering this idea of simulation theory, Elon Musk, those type of people. Um, it's pretty popular within the um, uh, Silicon Valley. Yeah, tech and... Um, uh, visionary type thinkers that kind of well they're like creating their own universes themselves so they're just (laughs) branching it and saying why could that that was the one theory if we can create a simulation so realistic that we feel like we're inside it then we aren't the ones that created the original simulation right that's pretty wild or that since it's a probability i think this is in for some reason um Joe Rogan kept asking the same question when Nick Bostrom was on about it, but he wasn't grasping the point. So if we 
it's most likely going to happen that we are going to uh, be able to create some sort of universe or alternate reality indistinguishable from our own, like some sort uh-huh. of, let's say, v, some crazy VR where you would be in it and you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. Since that's a probability based on where things are going, I'm not saying I believe this, but this is what he was saying, uh, that we it's already been created. That's what I'm saying. That was what my point right, was. Right, right. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like if I, we are able to create this simulation that's so realistic that we can't even decipher the difference then we probably aren't the ones that did it in the first place. And that's why some people would argue, you know, like time travel, if it was going to happen, um, wouldn't we already know? Wouldn't there be people coming in and out? I say to that, not necessarily, because if we're living in this reality, um, and let's say somebody did discover time travel, they were able to go to the future and the past, I mean, I think... Mm -hmm. uh, Maybe they'd be hush hush and understand the the, or maybe there's some sort of physics that we just don't understand based on where we're at in our level of physics and, and understanding and that kind of stuff. So, there's uh, a cool movie. Uh, I think it's on Netflix. It's called The History of Time Travel. Right. Uh, it's not like the best thing I've ever seen, but I like the. Have you ever seen it? No. It's pretty cool. I like yeah, the theories and the. I like the. Uh, and obviously, we the had, way they go go down had, that road. We had. Uh, Dr. Michael Masters on, which his theory involves UFOs and possibly extraterrestrial life being us, um, just from the future. Maybe we're coming back in time for whatever reason. So there's mm-hmm. those kinds of theories. Um, let's see. Yeah. Extraterrestrial life, which I just mentioned. Uh, yeah, I'd love to talk to a fucking Bill Nye or a, my man DeGrasse and say, what do you think these UFOs are? They've already, they have you can to, look it up on YouTube. They've already they've already given their they think it's either our some advanced thing that's ours or some sort of Well that propels a massive amount of problems because if the government has that and they're not revealing that, that's that's whack. Yeah. You know, again, where you know, you could think in terms of like the Fermi paradox, if there's all this possibility or probability for life where is it why haven't we seen it yet some would argue it's here or we're not able to see it or experience it it's not even within our own dimension maybe they're ultra terrestrials which would mean that they're beyond this dimension time and space kind of a thing um some would argue that there's probably i think most people would agree that there's probably life somewhere in the universe it's just so vast so large at some point there's going to be life or has been life or whatever the case may be. But I think people get hung up on, is this life visiting us? Is this life here? Does this life have some sort of connection to our being? That kind of a thing. I think that's where it starts getting into, well, you, you lose some of the science people and you start to lose some of the people based on that. Yeah. But according to science, if this is a big cosmic lottery win for us, it ha- if you take all the other planets, it has to have happened again. Well, yeah, we're in the we're a Goldilocks um, planet, and we've found other planets that are in Goldilocks zones. We just have no way of getting there other than getting good telescope pictures of them and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um. So non-material life again, like ultra terrestrials or something that's not. You know, we talk about, we've talked a lot about UFOs and aliens and what they could be, what they possibly are. Some people suggest that there's both physical aliens and non-physical aliens, or there's, um, these UFOs are either physical or maybe even non-physical. Um, well, yeah, they say that we're Earth biased, so we only understand what, what is around us in, on this planet. Right. The living organisms could be microscopic, they could be... They could be anything. They could be radio waves, right. conscious waves of of some sort. Right. Um. So that's you know, or spirits, like I mentioned, or people, spirits, yeah. People that believe in ghosts and and um, well, hey, stuff like that. So there's there's that aspect of it. Um, artificial intelligence, consciousness. So. This would kind of maybe tie into a little bit of the simulation theory, but if it's possible to make 
um, artificial intelligence conscious is the way that we would just not just passing the Turing test. So the Turing test, um, is it Alan Turing? I believe he came up with this, uh, test where if you can't distinguish whether it's a computer or man-made, um, operating system, uh, if you can't distinguish whether it's a person or a computer, then that means that it's passed the Turing test and it's, um, not necessarily conscious in the way that we see conscious, but it just passes the test. So an example would be if you've ever seen Ex Machina, um, obviously Love that film. they, not to spoil it, but that Whoa. that AI would pass the Turing test. Um, artificial intelligence is a weird thing. Again, if you were to explain that to somebody a couple thousand years ago or even a few hundred years ago, the level that it's at, they would assume that's a metaphysical um, theory or um, idea. The psychedelic realms. So you have a lot of people that discuss um, metaphysics and psychedelics, especially since now psychedelics has this renaissance going on. Lots of research, lots of um, academics taking a look at it. You also have a lot more people with access to a lot of the stuff, so you see a lot more psychonauts out there these days um, mm-hmm. being their own alchemists and different things. And for the psychedelic realms, it's interesting. So people that go down and do ayahuasca ceremonies, a lot of them there's have these archetypal experiences with jaguars and rainbow serpents and... Um, Pachimama and Mother Earth and all these different things. Quetzalcoatl. Uh, Quetzalcoatl for Tom uh, Lane and his research into the uh, sacred mushroom rituals. Check out our episodes on that if you're interested. We did one on um, uh, Mesoamerican metaphysics. But uh, so the psychedelic realms, again, interesting one for sure. Um, you know, you've got the DMT realm too, where people that smoke it and, um, it it seems like it's a completely different experience than the people that, um, do the ayahuasca ceremonies in terms of, um, visuals and things like that. Um, similar with the entities and and certain things like that. I just think one's way more of a potent blast than the ayahuasca. It's like, exactly. It's like taking a dab versus, um, maybe eating an edible or even just hit hitting a bowl or something. Yeah. Uh, anytime you do anything that's an extract, it's going to be far more intense. Ten times. <laughs> uh, so psychedelic, you know, you people talk about like tryptamine palaces and all these different crazy things. These, um, whether it be interdimensionals, you know, we've had Dr. Andrew Gallimore on, so he's discussed his theory with alien information theory that when you smoke DMT or you do DMT, you are in contact with these entities. These entities could be interdimensional. They could be within this universe, possibly. We're encountering encountering them through um, quantum entanglement. So there's a lot of stuff having to do with that. Um, Again, the idea that these realms are more real than real correlates to the near death experience in in that way. Um, so again, we've interviewed enough people now where more real than real seems to be a common theme between near death and psychedelics. Um, especially DMT, uh, the psychedelic entities, are they manifestations of our subconscious? Are they possibly, uh, separate, you know, from us? Are they external? Is it something that we see once the pareidolia of our minds lifted, once we use these substances? Uh, again, there's no way to really quantify that r- right now other than we know a lot of people are having these experiences and, and reporting similar things. So even if you were to say it was our imagination or something like that, why are there these archetypes or these... Why are people seeing similar things? Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's would a be weird my one. question. We're all different. We've all had different backgrounds and upbringings and we've all watched maybe similar tv or things like that but again I, it's, it, the, but this it, is coming all over from all over the world right like our one buddy we're talking to is in australia and yeah people australia from, you know britain to uh eastern europe you know we've talked to a lot of different people from all over so 
And there's definitely a common thread that they all kind of share with their experiences. So then there's parapsychology and the paranormal. So study, you've got people like, again, Dean Radin, Rupert Sheldrick, people that are doing um, studies into things that other people would consider magic or woo-woo or whatever, but there is some validity to it. There are results. There are you know, things that come back. I, I would think that if there was nothing there, the people that were researching this um, would either drive themselves crazy at some point or start to believe. And I feel like a lot of the, some of the, the uh, again, the Dean Radins and the Rupert Sheldrakes, they're believing based on what they've been seeing or what they've experienced um, and, and collected data wise and stuff like that. Um, paranormal. Do I believe in ghosts? I don't know. I believe that, you know, when you're running up the stairs when you're a kid and you're in darkness, your mind does play some tricks on you. You think somebody's chasing you, or there's a presence. The dragon's there. lair. There's a presence down there, or there's some presence or presence there. So even in the dark, sometimes if I walk to the kitchen in the middle and I get a water or something, you feel a little bit of maybe a little bit of breath on the back of your neck. You go, "What's going on? <laughs> What's going on there?" Um, but again, is that a trick of the mind? I, I, I been studying the mind a lot and the mind's a powerful thing i think you can convince yourself of things that are not there um but i also think that there could there if there is more dimensions or more than meets the eye in terms of our senses we can only see a spectrum of um of what's actually out there uh based i like on, to break it down like this do you believe your cell phone's getting a signal from the sat from a satellite and if they say yes, then why can't there be other signals that we just aren't aware of yet? Oh, there is. Can you see ultraviolet light? No. Right. But it gives you cancer. Yeah, and there you go. You know what I'm, I'm saying? I'm just saying these people that argue with, with, with people about there being you know no, no metaphysical stuff, it's pretty apparent that there is stuff that was metaphysical at one point. Now because we've you know had, had a Tesla come out and help us understand these waves, now it's just common science. Right. So. And again, it's it's uh, these things could be proven in the future by um, the gaps and the holes in what we know now, um, and maybe not. Maybe we'll learn for sure in the future that some of these things were wrong. I, I don't know the answer to that. Um, I know there's in the past there's been some some big people uh, or some people that took some big swings at what they thought. Some of them came true. Some of them didn't. Um, even you look at. Uh, Newton's theory, uh, you know, of gravity. It's different than our current theory of gravity, but we still don't really understand gravity. And even like I've seen Neil Tice Degra- or um, Neil Tyson DeGrasse get pissed off when people ask him about gravity and stuff like that. There's some clips on the internet because it's almost like this thing where he should know, where everybody should know exactly what's going on, but it's we don't know. Well, just ask Bill Nye. He'll and we know. Used, you know, we used to think they were particles called gravitons or gravitons. Um, and now we believe that they're waves. Could they be both? Like how lights can be both particle and waves? Who knows? I, it, it's hard to keep up with the stuff because there's again, there's so many competing theories. There are different theories, it's and all a, the stuff like I find, works off itself. I wonder you know? who decides what what to choose to teach us in school as the you know what I'm saying? Is it the that's textbook? The, that's the trouble with who's the school picking, system. Well, who's picking exactly what we were taught in high school or middle school? You know, like who's picking that agenda? Was it the best agenda at the time or was it some agenda? And I'm not even, it, it's not even like, oh, these screw these people kind of thing. It's I'm genuinely, I'm genuinely curious how did they come up? And then when they're teaching us again, why didn't they say, we don't know, this is our best theory at the time. Uh, that would probably promote more people to get into science or make them more right. curious, that kind of stuff. So, well, just look at dinosaurs. Now that now there's more and more evidence coming out that these things were probably covered in feathers. Yeah. So, who 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 knows? Right. They're giant birds. Ka-ka! Reptilian birds. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense though, especially with the T the T Rex with those little arms. It could have just been wings or right. A, a skeleton of a wing. I don't know. And then you get into stuff like with the ancient civilizations and stuff, uh, esoteric philosophy, cosmology, and knowledge. What did the ancient Egyptians know? Well, you know, anthropologists and archaeologists, mainstream ones would say, oh, they were ahead for their time, but it's nothing compared to where we are now. Um, However, I always think about back then, 
all you could do is look up at the stars. All you had, you didn't have any light pollution. You didn't have any, um, uh, things you didn't, it's almost like the more we, the more we have, the more we invent, the more, um, society moves along, the more complications, the more Well, the less we're distractions. connected to the actual earth. Is well, yeah. And, right. and the more distractions you're not hunting your food, you're not in tune with the earth. You're not picking your food. You're not growing your food. Well, some people do, but for the most part, people don't, they go to the store or they go to a restaurant or whatever the case. So there's that. And then at yeah. nighttime, um, all you have, your entertainment might've been looking up at the stars or for the most part. Um, and that's why we have a lot of, you know, of the ancient cosmology stuff and the alignments and temples dedicated to um, certain stars and star systems and different alignments. Um, so, I mean, again, I think that, I think they knew a lot um, for not, again, they didn't have computers or what we would consider a modern day telescope or anything like that, but to think that they were able to map all that stuff out without that using geometry, you know, whether they, the ancient Greeks or the ancient Egyptians, um, and that kind of stuff. I mean, you look at the great pyramid of Giza, um, while that's a physical thing that was built by humans, um, we still marvel at it. We still don't really understand it, um, in terms of how it was exactly built and all that stuff, but it's, perfectly aligned north south east and west and um lots of connections there so and maybe with the less distractions they were actually able to tap into more senses i know they reported more than five senses yeah I don't know. We, we were not sure if they combined them and you know if we combined a bunch of them into smell and bunch into taste yeah but... we've talked about that before i think that there was possibly they thought there was this like bubble around you of um of senses and then they obviously believed in the ba and the ka um, and that might be something linked to the the gut feelings we were discussing earlier too again this, it, do you have a sense of something and a yeah, lot they, of people now don't they did a lot they, of dissection they, type stuff and they took people's brains out of them and their their um, organs out of them and their brains and uh, i think they understood the human anatomy pretty well and they were fascinated with the afterlife and um, what happens when you die so I think that that's, again, plays into this huge because if you're curious about something, you're willing to take educated guesses or stabs or speculate or whatever the case may be. Um, so I guess the whole point of this to wrap it up is that um, metaphysics can be both more out there ideas and they can also be academic ideas. They don't have to just be like woo-woo crazy stuff. Um, and also the history of metaphysics was to kind of, kind of help understand or guess what was going on in the early days of the universe or what, what caused our being, what caused the, um, the creation of the universe and the creation of us. It's trying to answer the big picture ideas or possibly move science in a further direction one way or another, um, by again while science most science does this like slow crawl thing where they just chip away chip away chip away people that study metaphysics and metaphysical theories and different things they're taking these giant leaps and taking huge risks and i think we should applaud the scientists that do that because they're putting their necks out there and while they may be wrong you get enough of those theories out there you might help the progression of these fields along a lot further yeah, when you think outside the box, that it drives whatever art, science, whatever is behind it. I mean, look at the, look at all the good bands that we we love, Led Zeppelin or Jimi Hendrix. These guys were going; they were taking the previous knowledge and pushing it to a whole new level. Right. And that, and then it just exploded from there. So for sure, for sure. So uh, yeah, so that's where we're gonna wrap it up, and um, thanks for listening. Check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike and Maurice. Again, for $2 a month, we've got some cool uh, extended en- interview stuff on there and um, videos. Nice little archive. It's growing by the day. Yeah. And uh, check out our website, MikeAndMauriceMindEscape.com. We're on all social media uh, platforms. Smash subscribe. Yeah, hit smash that subscribe button. Hit the bell notification. Also, um, 
we on Tuesday we have Laird Scranton on, um, which is going to be fun. We're going to be talking about Gobekli Tepe and uh, his, great mind. Some of his books, yeah, great mind. We've had him on before. Check out that episode; super fun. It's called Comparative Cosmology. I forget what number it was. Um, also, if you were listening on the, all, any of the uh, audio platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Spotify. Again, please subscribe to us, and uh, yeah, thank you for listening. And uh, give a couple shout outs here to Matt Tiller, Tiller Forilla. Check out his channel on YouTube. And shout out to uh, the Zignal and Brian Scott as well. You can check out Brian Scott's channel um, on uh, YouTube as well. He's got a cool uh, guided meditation channel. Also, again, next Tuesday, Laird Scranton. And then the following Tuesday, we have a special for you. We're going to have uh, Rick Strassman, on, uh, author of DMT, the, Steer, uh, the Spirit Molecule, and the author of DMT, The Soul of Prophecy. So thanks for checking us out, and uh, we'll talk to you guys later. Peace. Cheers. <laughs>